back when Facebook was rolling out these changes before they went to the seven day only window, you know, they told us that it was coming. So we were able to compare for a couple of months there and see like, okay, having that transparency, let's look at seven day attribution versus 28 day attribution. And even for fairly short funnel clients, you know, you were still missing about 10% or so in there. But then as soon as you start expanding out into webinar funnels and things like that, I mean, you were losing upwards of 50% sometimes the results that would be attributed to your ads. So definitely a big impact. And I know the just to bring it back to the targeting, because that's the focus of what we're talking about today. That's again, just lost data that Facebook is not able to optimize around. So you're losing potentially 50% of that data just off the bat before you even take into account that now there's iPhone users that are opting out of sharing all of their data. You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast, where ROAS matters, not rented Lambos. From start to scale and beyond. Today's episode of Stuff Marketers Say features co-founders Ryan Akins and Jesse Marchecho. They discuss strategies for dialing in advertising targeting in this post-iOS 14 world. This is a recording of a live episode, so people could show up and live and ask their questions. If you're interested in learning more about our live episodes, be sure to sign up for our email list. The live episodes are typically advertised on our website, so you can register there too and check out upcoming topics. They're also typically recorded Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Head on over to till.agency for the show notes. And if you're interested in learning more about working with us, send us a note while you're over there and we can chat more about how we might be able to serve your business. All right, let's get to it. Welcome everybody. We are uh, back with the Stuff Marketers Say podcast and our weekly office hours. Excited to be here. I'm here with uh, Ryan Aikens, one of the co-founders of Till Agency. Hey everybody. How's it going, Ryan? Good. Excited to be here. Got a big audience today. I'm loving it. <laughs> and yeah, we're today we're going to be talking about something that is something that's been a pretty hot topic uh, over the last year. Or so something that we we very consistently get asked questions about, um, whether it's from at speaking engagements or coming up in random conversations we have whenever marketing comes up, or even with with clients that are looking at okay, how can I be you know effective in a post iOS marketing world, iOS 14 marketing world. And, you know, the, the, one of the big things that comes around from that and a lot of, uh, you know, the, the topics and conversations have been around targeting, looking at how we can still be effective and, and have powerful targeting and in a post iOS 14 marketing world. You know, that, that used to be one of the big differentiators between digital advertising when that became, you know, a thing with Facebook ads, uh, probably in, in Google ads, you know, some of the big players that really brought digital marketing to, a self-service platform like Facebook ads and, and Google ad platforms. But that was one one of the biggest differentiators is targeting. You know, when you're talking about print ads and you're talking about, you know, a little bit more traditional advertising, targeting was very wide open. You couldn't really get super specific. You're kind of at the mercy of whatever, you know, uh, these, whether it's a magazine or a newspaper or whatever, you were at their mercy of whoever's ordering those, those magazines or whoever's reading those things. Whereas digital marketing really opened that up and allowed you to get really specific. And then with iOS 14, some of that, you know, could potentially have, have rolled back a little bit there. So uh, Ryan, can you give us a quick recap on like what exactly iOS 14, like what changed and we'll start there. Yeah, I mean, it was really Apple's big push into privacy and protecting the consumer's privacy by restricting advertisers' access to the individual device identifier. So prior to iOS 14, Facebook can collect these identifiers on on you as you're scrolling on their platform. 
see what you did on their platform and also on other websites via the pixel and then be able to retarget you ads based on that or put you in an interest audience to be able to allow advertisers to more effectively target you. And then with iOS 14, the, that all went away for the most part for any users that didn't opt in to allow that, that were on a, an iOS device. So that can be upwards of 80% of the impression share for a lot of advertisers is someone on, a, on an iPhone. So now all of a sudden, you're not as able to effectively retarget these audiences and you're also not as able to effectively hit them the first time as a cold audience either because Facebook can't do as good of a job of being smart about who they're showing your ads to. It's more of just a, a broader shotgun approach to it, whereas you used to be able to be much more targeted pre-iOS 14. Yeah. So basically, I think Facebook's algorithm specifically was one of the most developed algorithms and probably one of the most effective in going out and finding the right people that are most likely to buy your products or, or do whatever it is that you want them to do from your ads. And so it made a lot of people feel like they were geniuses at advertising when really it was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was the algorithm doing, doing the bulk of the work. Yeah. And, and so basically, you know, and, and the algorithm got to be so smart because it had a ton of data being poured into it. Facebook knew what you're having for breakfast before you got up in the morning. And when it started losing some of that data, obviously it became a, a little bit less smart, like Ryan was saying there. So in that, you know, other than losing that data, any other like effects that we saw, uh, like maybe specifically on how that affects, whether it's building ad campaigns or just ad results in general? Yeah, I think the, the big thing minus the algorithm is they also changed the optimization window. So previously you were able to view the attribution for 28 day click. And I believe you're even able to optimize around the 28 day click as well, but really having that view attribute or um, the reporting attribution for that 28 day click was really critical for a lot of businesses that have that, that longer funnel, whether that's a, a, a sales call that finally closes the deal after they sign up for a lead form on your website, attend a webinar, you know, whatever your funnel may be, but if it's stretching out, beyond a week into a, a month-long process, that that transparency was gone um, all of a sudden. And you're only able to see items attributed or actions attributed to your ads that took place within that seven-day window. So that's kind of the new normal now in Facebook. And so even, even with a fairly simple funnel, you know, a lot of times people are seeing an ad and then they're going and Googling, looking for reviews and taking a lot of other steps before that purchase is finally made, even if it is a fairly low dollar value purchase. And so if that's not happening within seven days of someone clicking on your ad, you may not be seeing those results reported in ads manager. And then the algorithm is also not able to take those results and then turn around and optimize to try to get you more results on that. So that's definitely been another big part of it that plays into the targeting, but the, it is a separate issue with the attribution models. Yeah, definitely. And and just speaking to to working with, you know, clients on our end, it is something that can be, you know, super frustrating for for clients in looking at like, oh, my ads were doing so well before and, and now they're not when when ads performance, if even if we took out the targeting and just look at the attribution changes, even giving giving our business model as an example, someone sees an ad, clicks on it, comes over to our website, schedules a discovery call and has that call and then they don't actually sign a contract or make a onboarding call uh, to work with us within that seven day window uh, let's say it happens on day eight or day nine even then that ad is going to look like it's not getting any purchases or, or it's not no conversions are going to be attributed back to that ad and so 
even taking apples to apples, let's say targeting is the same, the ad is just as effective. But you know, if that happens outside that seven day window, your your you know return is gonna and your conversions are gonna be zero, which is not what you want to see when you're looking at ad campaigns. But that's something that's a, that's a really good point. Bringing up that attribution window being changed because even just that in itself and and reporting on that made it look like a lot of campaigns started performing significantly worse than they were previously. Yeah, and, and back when Facebook was rolling out these changes before they went to the seven day only window. You know, they told us that it was coming. So we were able to compare for a couple of months there and see like, okay, having that transparency, let's look at seven day attribution versus 28 day attribution. And even for fairly short funnel clients, you know, you were still missing about 10% or so in there. But then as soon as you start expanding out into webinar funnels and things like that, I mean, you were losing upwards of 50% sometimes the results that would be attributed to your ads. So definitely a big impact. And I know the just to bring it back to the targeting, because that's the focus of what we're talking about today. That's again, just lost data that Facebook is not able to optimize around. So you're losing potentially 50% of that data just off the bat before you even take into account that now there's iPhone users that are opting out of sharing all of their data. So it was definitely a big impact. Definitely. What do you think uh, as far as platforms? Was this something that just hit Facebook or is this something that has been affected by every, every paid ad platform? Yeah, I mean, in theory, it's every every paid ad platform. Facebook's definitely been the um, the poster boy for it, though. I think you know they were taking out articles in the New York or advertisements in the New York Times, crying foul of what Apple was doing to them with these practices. But yeah, in theory, everyone should be being treated equally. I've seen various articles, whether or not they're accurate or not, stating that (laughs) maybe Apple is targeting Facebook a little bit more than they were targeting some other folks. But yet... Do we see an ad platform coming from Apple anytime (laughs) soon? I don't know. Uh, Big, bold predictions for 2022. (laughs) That might be on there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But I mean, one thing to point out when we're looking at specifically on Google, for example, like search ads basically were not affected at all because everything happens within that Google platform uh, when people are searching. So they get that that data directly. So that, that was one of the platforms that wasn't probably as affected as much, if, if at all, Google search at least, which is nice. And I think that if it hasn't come out already, we have another episode coming out on specifically Google search, which um, I think, uh, you know, why you should be advertising on, on Google as well as other, other platforms too. As far as industries go, what kind of industries do you think were hit the hardest from this iOS update? And especially now that we've had time to really have an idea of the outcome and, and the result changes that we've seen over the last almost year. Yeah, I think it goes back to you know those longer funnels that were impacted the most. So it's not necessarily specific to one industry, but I think an industry that tends to have a lot of those longer funnels can be the, the SaaS or software as a service industry. A lot of them are offering free trials or, or the like to try to get get users in the door initially, which is great. But then that actual purchase may not happen. Usually it's not going to happen within that seven-day window. So that's been challenging for some of those, just losing that transparency on being able to attribute those purchases back to an ad. So I, w- I would say the SaaS industry, but but in, in general, any clients that are running longer funnels, especially webinars and things like that, the, the transparency has made things difficult. Cool. Yeah. And I think one thing I'd add to that is probably we've seen businesses that have a little bit more of a niche audience see slightly less of an impact on that. And we'll t- I'll, t- I'll talk into why I believe that is, but uh, audiences that were really large or really uh, have more general mass market product, mass market audiences hit a little bit harder there for some reason, as we're looking at the clients that we have. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. 
So based on all of that, do you really think that, you know, Facebook obviously made a big fuss, like you mentioned, do you really think it was worth all of us? Do you think that it was really that big of an effect now that we are a year in, or do you think that it's something that, you know, we've adapted and it's, you know, back to business as usual? Yeah, no, I think, I think the industry as a whole has done a, a good job of adapting. And I think it's forced some good changes that we'll talk about here in a, in a little bit, just forcing us to be smarter advertisers. You know, I was definitely one of those, maybe a self-proclaimed genius at Facebook ads at first. And so it's made us, made me rethink like, okay, what are the real strategies behind advertising? So it's kind of a looking at it in a positive light. Hopefully that'll prove out to be a better user experience too for people that are seeing better ads. But I do think we probably haven't seen the full extent of everything yet. I think with, you know, rising CPMs and everything else that's going on in the world, you know, we don't, everyone's aware of everything that's going on in the world. I don't need to list all that out or remind everybody of all, all the negatives there. But those also obviously have impacts on the economy and people's sentiment to purchase and things like that. So when Apple rolled out these changes was right kind of in the thick of all of that too. So it's still hard to sort of pinpoint what was due to just broader world events and what was specifically due to you know the changes in the iOS. But I do think we were past the first major hurdle of it. I do still think there's going to be a long tail of effects to just see what this this new normal is going to look like in the long term. Definitely. As as we're looking at, okay, how can we react to still being able to get our clients the best results possible in, you know, the post iOS 14 world and marketing advertising world that we're in now? How, how have we helped companies continue to be effective and continue to, you know, specifically target talking about targeting? How do we continue to help them effectively target the correct audiences that want to be getting in front of? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we've, we've got a list of a few things here that we're kind of implementing as best practices across the board for our clients. So I think we just take them one by one. And the first one of those is using conversions API. Facebook was making a big push for this probably before all the iOS 14 stuff really started even to come about. But then with iOS 14, they were really making a big push for it. And conversions API, just in a quick summary, is basically sending data to Facebook from your own first party servers rather than from the pixel, which can be blocked by ad blockers and poor implementation and things like that. So it doesn't, conversions API doesn't solve iOS 14, but it does just make sure that you're giving as accurate of data to Facebook as you can from the data that we still have. So I've, I've definitely seen some podcasts and other resources out there that seem to kind of claim that conversions API can somehow circumvent iOS 14, but I think I would tend to disagree with that. Facebook is not, they don't really have anything explicit out there that I've been able to find speaking to this one way or another, but you're still sending back conversion data to Facebook that they should still then be honoring based on what that user selected, whether to allow data to be tracked or not. So I'm not seeing how that really circumvents it, but again, it does just give Facebook the most accurate view of what is going on before they have to observe the opt-ins and the opt-outs. Yeah, I think that maybe a good way to look at it, maybe where some confusion comes from the conversions API is conversions API is more or less circumventing the pixel, not necessarily circumventing uh, iOS 14 issues, which mm-hmm. obviously there is some of that that comes from from pixel uses, especially when people are using a browser on, on their iOS device. And whereas Safari uh, on your iOS devices I believe is or has the ability to 
not track you. They, they, they're blocking ad scripts and, and tracking scripts within Safari. And so when you're using an API, a conversions API, you're able to bypass some of those pieces of it, but not necessarily in the apps, which is where the big iOS. Right. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. On my phone the other day, I'd never noticed this before, but in Safari, it gave me a list of all the yeah. different scripts that were blocked. And it was Google, Google, Facebook, 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 Google, Google, on like every website that I'd been to. So that was just interesting that, you know, I've never, I've opted in to allow tracking in Facebook, but I've never really considered it in Safari on my phone. And it's sitting here blocking advertiser after advertiser from getting that, that data. Whereas if that advertiser is using conversions API, they can be sending that data back to Facebook themselves, what, rather than relying on the pixel, having to be routed through Safari's protocols to be able to do that. Definitely. And so very, very important to get that set up. It's relatively easy to get set up. It is a little bit technical, but Facebook does make that as easy as possible, I think. And, and especially if you're on a platform like Shopify that has a native uh, integration to be able to set that up pretty easily, it makes it pretty easy for you to do that as well. As far as other things that you can do, kind of best practices, you know, one of the big things that we very much encourage is try to just own as much of your audience as you can and create your own audiences as possible through building email lists and and you know making sure that you're you're gathering as much information as possible there because if you can create your own email list we can upload those back to facebook and create lookalike audiences based off of those things you're able to bypass instead of relying on facebook to say hey this is the kind of person that that i think is going to buy your products you're able to to help Facebook a little bit along and getting them as much data as possible, kind of replace some of the data that they lost on some of the other apps that they're doing. So lead gen has become, I think, really important there, especially as you know targeting can get a little bit more difficult. Just you know when we're looking at just saying Facebook, hey, go find these people for us, and we're kind of like letting Facebook do the marketing genius for us. Back in the the glory days of Facebook, when you know you could basically put an ad up for anything and, and see a positive ROI, no matter how bad the copy was or how janky the, the images or the visuals were. And then, you know, so when you have those emails, you have retargeting lists, you know, you, I've, I've seen people try to do some, a little bit more of content strategies where they're driving traffic to content and then retargeting them in an effort to kind of build their own audiences there and, and feed that the, the algorithm as much data as possible based on the content that they're sending traffic to. But in our experience, we found that just the email list and, and building your audience that way and feeding that information back to Facebook is more effective than, than the content strategies because there's a little bit more buy-in there than just a, a click to some content. Anything to add on that front, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, I think just using those first party list in general is the, the core for your audiences, especially if you were relying on the pixel. Like if Let's say you're doing a look or like around past purchasers relying on pixel data. That work still works, but it's also good to maybe test that against uploading your own customer list to Facebook and then creating a look alike based off of that. It's kind of analogous to the conversions API where you know your list is coming from you and it's 100% accurate, whereas that pixel list now, it may be significantly reduced in the, the level of accuracy that it has. Yeah, definitely. Another big thing that that we really believe can make a big difference in in targeting, especially as you lose data and as the ads become less smart, just meaning they're not quite as targeted as they used to be because they don't have as much data to go off of because they lost a lot of data through the, the iOS update, is really using your creative and copy to target and calling out you know, the people that you want to be, you know, working with, they're using visuals that are just not super lazy stock images or, you know, things like that, but things that are just creatively using those things to get the attention of somebody who 
is going to be your kind of people. And I know that seems pretty counterintuitive or seems not counterintuitive, it seems pretty obvious. It's like, oh yeah, of course, like we're going to use this copy and creative, but you'd be surprised at, you know, just start scrolling through your ads and looking at like, hey, is this really targeting the person that they want to be going after? And, and that's coming back to like that niche audience that I think is one of the reasons why they're a little bit less affected than something that's a little bit more general is because naturally their copy and creative is targeted to that niche audience a little bit more, as opposed to a little bit more of a general product may not be quite as, as much of a scroll stopper because it's not really calling out any individual as much of an individual person as something that's a little bit more niche is naturally doing so. So that's something, you know, obviously with our creative and copy teams that, that we try to do as much as possible in that and testing different creative and copy options that's going to get the attention of the people that we want to be doing. And the more that you do that, Again, the more clicks that we're getting on Facebook, that, that is data that Facebook can use to optimize your ads based on who is interacting and engaging with your ad. So the more that you're able to do that and connect with the right person on platform, whether that's Facebook, whether that's Google, they should be able to use that data to you know, optimize your ad even further and, and hopefully, again, give more data back into the system. If you can have an ad that's a 1% click-through rate versus a 2% click-through rate, obviously, you know, that could pretty quickly double the effectiveness of your ad right out of the gate. Yeah, totally. And I think it plays into you know the, the broader point of just bringing everything back to the basics because you really are having to evaluate your full your full funnel now for your ads to be effective. You know, pre iOS fourteen, it's like Facebook. They had people lined up almost. You just needed to give them an ad, and they'd probably click on it, and then your site could do the rest of the work. Well, now you've got to be more targeted with that creative to get that click. And now with the potentially fewer clicks that you're able to get, you really got to make sure that your website is honed in so that that specific person that your ad is targeting is now still speaking to them and going to move them along in whatever that next step of the process is in your funnel. So yeah, refining your offers and really just looking at your conversion rates through every step of that funnel is just as it's always been critical. But with Facebook being a little bit harder now, it makes those areas even more important. Definitely. And five maybe between five and 10 years ago, every funnel looked the same. Everyone was using the same templates. Everybody was using the same Shopify templates. Everybody's ads looked pretty similar and everyone was converting really well. It was just like this because, you, you know, it was, it was really easy to be effective. The competition wasn't quite as big. People weren't as skeptical about things they clicked on from, from Facebook ads. Whereas now people have been burned. There's been people that have been taken advantage of that by, you know, offering, you know, bad products or sketchy products or not delivering. And so as people became more skeptical on top of all of those things, every single piece then becomes infinitely more important to help you see the best possible results. Whereas a percent here and there used to be like, oh, you know, I'm still seeing a 5X ROAS. It's not quite 10X, but like it used to be, but 5X is still great. Whereas now when you're some funnels that perform well are doing a 2 to 3X, whereas that 1, one to 2% can make a really big difference difference, especially if it's on higher, higher up on the, uh, in the funnel. As far as looking at testing different audiences and looking at, okay, so we're implementing some of these things, we're trying to target as, you know, as best possible, any, any best practices and the kind of audiences when we're just looking at selecting, you know, audiences, whether it's in Facebook or, you know, Pinterest or anything like that? Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely seeing some best practices in what we've been testing, but I would say that, you know, still test everything. You know, don't assume that because these are the best practices for, the average, there may still be the outlier that your account may be the outlier where the, an email list lookalike is going to be the best performer, whereas we've seen pixel purchase lookalike being the best performer. So just to say that off the bat, still test everything. But what we've really been seeing work well is that broader is working well. 
but it's great to still be able to guide the algorithm, be it interest-based or first-party lookalike-based. So interest-based, Facebook has always had those. And in general, pre-iOS 14, they're kind of an afterthought. I think we we saw at least that lookalike audiences far outperformed interest-based, but we're starting to see more and more interest-based audiences outperforming our lookalike audiences. But lookalike audiences, especially those based off of your own email list, your own customer list, we still do have success with those. And generally, the broader that you can do, the better. Facebook, by default now for either interest-based or lookalike-based, is they're doing what's called audience expansion. So they're going to take that core list that you've given them, come up with their 5% lookalike audience, whatever that may be. But they may still reach outside even that 5% lookalike audience, they think someone else is likely to purchase. So they're trying to leverage the algorithm as much as they can to overcome certain things. But as as much as you can still guide the algorithm with that core audience or with those core interests, we've still been seeing good success there. But again, using that first party data, if you are using a lookalike audience. Yeah, definitely. As you're kind of creating those audiences, again, it's really important, like Ryan mentioned, to just have an open mind and, and being willing to test. Like, don't get lazy when it comes to that. Just say, oh, I'm just going to look like audience. Oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to I'm going to throw in the towel. Definitely something that you're going to want to test. You're going to want to look at, you know, even through different seasons. That's something that, that we see just because it's working right now doesn't mean it's going to work next quarter. Um, doesn't mean it's going to, you know, the audience is going to be the best audience for a Black Friday sale or anything like that. So it's something that we want to be testing constantly and just being able and willing to get in there and kind of mix up the variables from from different audiences, different creative and things like that to help you get the best results possible. Again, every percentage counts now. So the more that you can do to just uh, increase those conversion rates across the board, obviously, the higher you can get the conversion rate, the click-through rate from the ad specifically and getting that into the right audiences, uh, that's going to trickle down through the rest of the funnel. So the better you can do there, the easier it's going to be for you to, to convert on the back end. Anything to add, Ryan, on on just targeting in general when it comes to especially looking at like future things, anything that you think that we need to have our, our eyes on or, or keep our eyes open for? The metaverse. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, it's like the go-to answer for what's the future now, the metaverse. I'm all about it. <laughs> I can see your, uh, your Oculus sitting back there. Yeah, I think it's just something that sort of ties a lot of these together is maybe micro conversions um, within your funnel and retargeting those. That's something that we've been, it's always been a thing. You know, you could always retarget your leads to then try to get them to purchase, but maybe looking even deeper than that, say, okay, maybe this person has spent this much time on the site. So now we want to retarget them, which again has always been a thing, but really leveraging conversions API to make sure you have transparency on those micro conversions and then trying to retarget for those is something that we've, we've been trying to push on, but I'd say too soon to tell how effective that will be because even that retargeting is going to be impacted by iOS 14. But I think in general, just reevaluating some of those things that have always been there, but maybe we got away from them because the algorithm was so smart, we didn't need to do them. Mm -hmm. So revisiting those, testing those things, I think is really, that's the main thing to be focused on moving forward. Definitely. And in, you know, whereas previously you used to have some some audience size issues when you're doing some retargeting that was very specific. But if you can, I believe that now some of those restrictions have been eased up for, for retargeting specifically. So you can get really specific on people that visit your contact page, but don't fill out a form, for example, or people that 
have filled out a form uh, for a discovery call or maybe something like that that you want to follow up with them to get them to to fill out that that form to or, or to, to actually schedule a call or people that schedule a call that maybe didn't show up or something like that. You can start looking at all those different pieces to really push people down that next step. And then looking at how you can be creative, basically looking at how you can not let people fall through the cracks at any given stage of that of that funnel, which can be pretty effective. Whereas before you maybe didn't need to do that as much because again, Facebook was just that much more effective and they had all the data already. So cool. As far as looking at targeting in that any any you know as you know we have an episode again coming out or if it hasn't come out already talking about you know why you should be advertising on Google as well, but given the targeting aspects of, of Facebook specifically, do you think that that in itself is a is a reason to help diversify the platforms that you're advertising on, um, or do you think that you know if if especially with a limited budget you just say hey you know Facebook is still where you want to be number one priority like wh- where do you think that the targeting aspects of that implications lie? Yeah. I mean, I think Facebook is still number one for us, right? Like if we have a new client that comes on board, has a limited budget, we're going to put the majority of that budget towards Facebook. I think Google, especially if you're not like, if you're not doing branded search, Google at this point, you know, if you're not paying to be showing up above the fold, like you're not going to show up above the fold organically. It's like 10 different ads now when you go Google. (laughs) So even if it's a low budget, just getting your own branded search terms on Google, I think is a, is a is an impetus now, but yeah, sticking with Facebook, testing out the other things, so testing out TikTok and Pinterest, even Google Display Network, if you've got a high enough budget and the willingness to test a few things over there, and then YouTube too is another great one, depending on on what your product is and what video assets you have, you can really see success over there too. So it's just again, it, it's so worthwhile to test whatever you can and see what's working for your business. But I would still say that Facebook is where we see the the bulk of our results still, the bulk of our spend still goes there, but just we're trying to optimize as much as we can and, and leaning into these other areas. TikTok, especially, we've heard a lot of people having great success over there. And it's a great place to prove out creatives over there too, because it's just so much content going through there. So if you can find something that works really well over on TikTok, that might be something that works really well on Facebook or, a, or another platform. Yeah. Not to mention that CPMs are going to be way cheaper on TikTok then they will be on other platforms as well. But cool, that's great. Uh, glad to hear that. Uh, and, and hopefully we, we've, it's not been all doom and gloom. We gave you some hope on what you can do to, to see the best results possible post iOS 14. But I do think that, you know, and, and it's something that we've been able to help our clients see great results still. It's something that we know it's possible to, to see results. Biggest variable here is just the willingness to test and being able to go in there and figure out how to make it work. When it comes down to it, your audience is still on Facebook, Instagram, they're still on these other platforms. And so, you know, th- that hasn't changed. They're still they're still consuming content there. We just got to be a little bit better about making sure that our content is getting in front of them and making sure that content is good enough for them to actually click on that, you know, and, and that's, if we're able to do that, then we should be able to do the rest on, on the back end as well. So thanks again for uh, tuning in, Ryan. Thanks for for talking about a potentially a tough subject to talk about just because there's, you know, things that are probably always going to be changing here uh, on this topic for the next little bit as Facebook adjusts and as uh, we figure out, you know, what is working best based on those changes that continue to be made. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.